Welcome to Hungry Authors, the show for aspiring authors who will stop at nothing to accomplish their writing and publishing dreams. We're your hosts, Liz and Ariel, and we're honored that you're here. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Hungry Authors. Today, we are joined by writer and coach Claire Williams. Um, We got to know Claire last summer when she was in our very first book mapping cohort, um, where we ran a small group of people through our book mapping process. Um, So we invited Claire on here today to talk about her writing and the book um, that she's working on and mapping and all things like that. So welcome, Claire. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here. Um, Okay. First of all, let's start by you um, giving us a quick elevator pitch about the book that you're working on. Okay. Well, first, I just want to say again, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Um, When I started listening to your podcast, it really was a turning point for me in my journey. This is last spring of 23. And then I took your book mapping class in the summer. And I'll be honest, I've definitely had fantasies that someday maybe you would invite me to be on your podcast. So (laughs) (laughs) I was like, it's coming true. So thank you guys so much for having me. Um, And yeah, I, so as you said, Liz, I'm an executive coach and team coach. Um, I do a lot of leadership development work, team development work in the corporate world with companies like Target and Boeing, McDonald's, as well as small companies too. Um, And in addition to being a, a practitioner or a coach, I'm also looking to add author to the list of things I do in the world. Um, and so my my book idea is it is a leadership development book. And thanks to your book mapping class, I got a lot more clear on, you know, what is the idea? What is the pitch? So I'll share it here. I've been practicing. Um, so the book is a working title called The Next Edge, Embrace Vertical Development to Find Meaning in Work and Life. And I really think of this book as like the missing link in the burnout conversation because everybody is talking about burnout right now for a number of reasons. And I think that's a super important conversation and that there is a part of the conversation that we're missing. And so I'm really writing for people who once felt excited and engaged in their work. And now for some reason are feeling disillusioned, disengaged, unfulfilled, and they worry they're burning out, they're losing their way. And what I wanna help them understand is actually you might be growing, you might be going through an actual developmental shift. And the symptoms of one shift in particular uh, can look a lot like burnout. And so I'm gonna be drawing from academic theory from the field of developmental psychology that's well-established and used a lot in my practitioner work with leaders and teams. Um, And that's specifically gonna be zeroing in on one specific stage shift in this developmental theory that consists of these progressive development stages adults go through. So there's one stage shift in particular that sometimes occurs for people around, you know, midlife-ish and can often lead to feeling disillusioned and questioning everything. And I think there are people out there who think they're just burning out and need a vacation, um, but I want to actually help them embrace the growth that could be happening for them and give them a map to navigate it, so to speak. Super cool. So can I just to like recap and encapsulate that? Because as you're talking, you know, just like we did in our book mapping course, like I'm hearing all the things you're saying and I'm like in my brain whittling it down. And so what I'm hearing you say, and tell me if this is right, what I'm hearing you say is the big idea for your book is you're not burning out, maybe parentheses necessarily, Mm -hmm. comma, 
you're growing. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And five seconds or less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and what I love about that, and I also had the privilege of reading your book proposal, which I know we're going to talk about, but what I loved too about this idea is that there is so much backing from the sciences and from all this research in psychology, um, from these people that you have been mentored by, and you have so much deep expertise in this developmental theory, and then you're able to kind of apply it to our careers. And I think there's huge potential here. So I love hearing about your book. I'm super excited for it. I am too. And I, I am passionate about taking what can be kind of an esoteric, um, high-minded theory and bringing it down to earth. So I'm aiming for my writing voice to just be approachable and fun and um, easy reading, but, um, you know, inspiring and meaningful as well. Yeah. And I think you do that very well. That's awesome. I also want to point out something that you've done really well and benchmark or a milestone one of the mapping process is identifying your big idea. And a really great way to do that. If you're writing a prescriptive nonfiction book is to add to an ongoing conversation in culture or an industry of some kind. So burnout, huge cultural conversation right now. There's been a handful of really great books on it lately, which is a good thing. Like we wanna see people writing books about your topic. That means it's popular and it's selling right now, but you have something new to add to the conversation, something, a unique point of view, an interesting piece of data. Like I love how you said, Obviously, this isn't like the most descriptive um, elevator pitch because it's more of like part of it that kind of leaves you wanting more. But when you said like this is the missing link in the burnout conversation, that's really, really interesting. Any agent or editor or reader of that um, topic is going to wonder what that is. You know, I know a lot about burnout. I have experienced burnout. What am I missing? And so, um, yeah, very um, well done there. So tell us where you are in the writing pitching process. Yeah. So I took your book mapping class, um, in the summer of 23, which we'll talk about, I know. Um, and then pretty much right after that, I started working on the book proposal. Um, and I actually took a sabbatical, not because I was writing a book proposal, but the timing overlapped. So I had a kind of a open chunk of time. I wrote the book proposal, uh, I worked with Ariel as an editor for my proposal to get it um, cleaned up and, you know, well-shaped and ready to go. And so that wrapped up in like September, October. And then um, what I've been working on since then, so I've really kind of put the proposal on the shelf because one thing I've learned in large part, thanks to following your work, is um, if I want to be traditionally published, which I do, then I need some sort of a, a platform, you know, more than what I have right now. And so I've really been working on building a platform. So LinkedIn, um, since I'm writing for professionals, that's my best bet in terms of social media. So getting more active on LinkedIn, and then I'm going to be launching a Substack newsletter um, for related and adjacent topics, um, inner work at work, so to speak, um, in January of 2024. And so once I have done that, even if I don't have like thousands of followers right out of the gate, which I won't, I, that feels like enough for me to show a publisher I'm serious about building a platform. And so in the new year in 2024, I, I will be shopping the proposal. 
That's awesome. I love how kind of methodical and thoughtful you are being throughout this process, especially with traditional publishing, because I think a lot of authors are just like, I want to traditionally publish and just kind of launch forward. But you have been throughout the entire process. I mean, we're talking, you know, at least six months now that you've really been planning thoughtfully how you're going to do this and how you're going to give your work kind of the best edge to succeed. And I think that's really cool. So why did you decide to traditionally publish rather than self-publishing or hybrid publishing? There's obviously pros and cons to all of these different models. And we've talked about those a lot, but why do you feel like traditional publishing makes the most sense for your book? Yeah, I definitely wrestled with that. And where I landed was, it just came down to what are my particular goals? Like, I think there's really a a great time and place to self-publish. And what I'm looking for is an actual career as a writer. Um, Like I want that to become the focal point of what I do in the world. I still want to coach and be a practitioner, Um, but I'm not looking to have a book. I'm actually looking to write a book and write more books, hopefully. Um, And so I don't, I don't just need to have the book in hand right away. I'm not trying to funnel more coaching clients my way necessarily. Um, It's really about establishing a career as a writer and a thought leader in my field. Um, and so I just wanted to, I'm kind of in it for the long haul. Um, and so I felt like traditional publishing was probably the long haul route to go given my goals. Um, and there's the, uh, whether it's biased or not, there's a little bit of the like ego credibility thing at play. It's, you know, I'd, I'd like to be able to say like, look, someone else believed in my book too. Um, and, and I do, I do look forward to if I find a publisher, the support with marketing and, and distribution, I'm well aware that a lot of that will be on me. But, um, but I, I know that there are channels that they have access to that I just wouldn't otherwise. Those are all, um, great reasons. So tell me us what your, what are some of those goals around your book? Obviously like launching a career as an author, as a writer, which is a really great goal and a good reason to, um, pursue traditional publishing agents want to partner with and and editors likewise want to partner with people who want to write more books and you know don't see this as a one-off thing but a whole career um but how do you see this book serving your business and um you know your wider message not that it has to but for somebody who has an expertise and is writing about that expertise what are your goals outside of just publishing a book that sells well and, and, you know, does well out in the world. Do you want more speaking gigs or more personal clients or, you know, what are your goals around that and how will the book sort of fit into that? It's a, it's a huge question. And it's like, my funny answer is really my biggest goal is to be a writer. (laughs) But what I'm, what I'm practical about is that I have to make money. And unless I'm James Clear, uh, who wrote Atomic Habits and is probably now a billionaire or something, I'm not heard of him, heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not probably going to make a ton of money as an author. And so part of the learning and research I've done over the last year is I've gotten really serious about this is, um, you know, what what will be my income streams that allow me to have the time to write. And so um, I want to continue to do the kind of work I'm doing right now with leaders and teams. Um, but I, I'm, I am looking to add speaking right now. I do more facilitation, leading workshops and team off sites. Um, but I'm, I know that keynoting will probably be a nice pairing to the writing, but it's like, I'm not writing so that I can get keynotes. It's almost like, I want keynotes so that I can write. And right. It's not like one of those 
calling card books where, you know, not that there's anything wrong with those, but a lot of people write a book that's just like a glorified business card. That's an introduction to what you do so that to use it as a lead magnet for other things that you do that costs a lot more money than a book. Yeah. So not that this is a bigger plan. Yeah. So Claire, is there anything about, I mean, you've been learning a lot about traditional publishing, about all of the publishing options, about writing a book, just all of the nitty gritty that goes into that. And you've been building your skills, building your platform, kind of, you know, learning really this new, this whole new world that you want to, and you know, be in and live in. What has surprised you about either the publishing industry in general, the publishing process, writing a book, anything in there has just like really caught you off guard? <laughs> Definitely some things. I mean, I think the biggest one is in this writing endeavor, how many non-writing activities I need to be doing. Um, so I'm a, I'm a very, you know, type A kind of person. So I'm a list maker. Um, and when I really started to map out, like, what are all of sort of the work streams that need to be happening to get me to this goal of being a, a you know, publishing worthy candidate? Um, it's so much of it is not really about doing the writing um, and doing the writing is not really um, the the blocker, the scary part for me. It's all the other stuff that has to be in place, like the platform building, um, like learning about the industry, um, learning that that it's really writing a proposal is writing a business plan for the book. And I, I, I can do that. I do that in my work, but I'm not in, I'm not wanting to be a writer because I love writing business plans. You know? So it's, it's like having to exercise this different part of my brain. And then um, with that too, like I've had to ask right now, I'm mostly a practitioner um, and I have a, you know, my, my company is called in-depth coaching and development right now. But if I want to be a writer, does that still make sense? And like, do I need to change my brand to just like be my name? And that has led to this whole cascade of, I need to rethink my brand ecosystem and possibly update my website and get new headshots taken, all just all the graphic design, all of that stuff. So um, that has just really surprised me that like, wow, I'm, for somebody who's wanting to be a writer, I'm not doing a lot of writing yet. I'm like getting ready to write more. Right. Um, and I will say like, I I made a Gantt chart. If, I don't know if you know what a Gantt chart is. Yes, we yeah. do. Yeah, yeah totally. About all the work streams and when I need to be doing which things. So I stay yes. on track. And I would just offer to your listeners, like if they just shoot me an email, I will send them my Gantt chart because. Oh, oh my God. That's, that's huge. Yeah. Yes, as freelancers, oh we had more than one conversation about Gantt charts in our like freelancer writer um, mastermind that Ariel and I are a part of because we're like freelancers always have so many different projects in various stages. And so anyway, people, we've experimented with Gantt charts, which, you know, like huge but, construction companies run that are using yeah. like that have multi-million dollar budgets. Yeah, go ahead. It really is interesting to see like to to create one traditionally published book. Yeah. You have to have, like you said, all of these other pieces in motion. You have to be, especially for prescriptive nonfiction, like we've, and we should be clear, we're talking about, you know, a book that is meant to teach people about something in their lives. Yeah. Um, this is not a memoir. You know, this is not fiction for those, the, the expectations and kind of this, this ecosystem that we're talking about doesn't really need to exist. It's nice if it does, but it's not really necessary for the type of book that you are writing. You're right. There is kind of this expectation that there is this ecosystem mm -hmm. supporting the book. 
And you realize that to make the book successful, you've got to kind of have all of these other pieces in place. And that that is surprising to most authors. And to some extent, like it's kind of sad because we all just want to like, we just want to do the writing, right? We, we're all just here because we love the the process of writing. And some sometimes it is sad that you can't just do that. You have to do all of these other things to support that. But it's kind of like, an, you know, lots of other, uh, other things in our lives. You know, it, it does take some sacrifice to, to make this thing successful. Definitely does. And it's just the way the world is moving and we can lament it and just wish we could be like Ernest Hemingway and pull up in a cabin and just put out books. And it's just not the world we're living in. So I've kind of tried to embrace it, but it's, it's hard. I'm also running a business and this mm-hmm. is no one's paying me to make all these changes and get ready to launch this new thing. I'm... Finding the margin to do that while maintaining my regular workload has also been really challenging. Yeah, we feel that for sure because we're sure. basically doing the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah, Here's a quick primer for our audience. If you're hearing this in January, it's mapping month here. If you're not hearing this in January, that's totally fine. We always have lots of things going on around mapping, but um, mapping, book mapping um, is something we teach here at Hungry Authors. It takes people from developing your idea to mapping out your entire book not writing every word on the page but having laid out in front of you exactly what's going to go in your book what you're going to talk about the transformation you're walking people through and essentially a chapter by chapter breakdown of where to start and where to finish so that as ariel and others like to say although i learned it from ariel you're not pantsing when you sit down to type, which is going by the seat of your pants, right? Not a yes. good, <laughs> not a good plan usually. I mean, we don't like tell you how to do anything over here. Like, if that works for you, that works for you. But in general, you will probably if you do that, you'll probably come up with a very messy brain dump of a thing, not a clean um, manuscript. To start, like to end up with a clean manuscript, you need a plan. You need to know where you're starting, where you're finishing, and what goes in between. So, Claire, before you started mapping, what did you have? Like, what did your, what did it look like for you? Did you have an idea yet? Did you have an opening and a closing? Like, what, what did your book look like? Yeah, uh, I had a few ideas. Okay. <laughs> One of them, did I feel really sure about? Um, I certainly didn't know how they would turn into a readable book. I just was like, I'm passionate about this topic. So maybe I would write a book about that topic, or I really love this vertical development thing, uh, which is that theory I mentioned earlier. Um, maybe I'll write a, a book, you know, really outlining that whole theory. And so I walked into your, your course with just a couple, maybe three ideas and was trying to land on one. Yeah, that's right. I remember. And I remember you and I emailed back and forth. Did we, I think we might've even met briefly to talk about like which direction, because I do think there is, there's usually kind of a low hanging fruit idea. And there's usually like when I have these conversations with authors and we, we do have these conversations often with authors where they come to us with like three, three or four different options for book ideas. And they go, which one should I do first? And it's always like, well, you know, there's obviously no right answer, but usually there are some low hanging fruit options. There are um, some more aspirational, ambitious options, and it's all about your goals. And so I know we had a, we had a conversation and I can't remember if that's the idea you ended up 
going with? Or, you know, if I, I think by the end of our conversation, you were still kind of debating between a couple things. Well, honestly, I was in in that conversation debating about my entire identity as a writer. And that conversation mm. was a huge, um, I mean, really like a, a milestone in my life, I think, because I was I was asking, I, I love writing poetry. I like writing memoir and personal essay. Um, I like writing prescriptive nonfiction stuff. How do I pick? And you really helped me wrestle through that and talk to me about the tension between authenticity and marketability, which you guys have talked about on the podcast. And it really was that that gave me permission to be like, yeah, like I already have a, you know, a start of a platform in the leadership development world. So that's probably the low hanging fruit. Like I should start with the the audience, the built-in audience that I have. Um, but how do I make it authentic and kind of creative? Cause you know, I like writing creatively, not just like academic white papers. Um, so out of that, I then narrowed down some of those more professional kind of prescriptive nonfiction ideas and brought a couple to the book mapping course. Right. Okay. So, so let's talk about that course then. How was it like, how was that process for you? How did it kind of help you decide which idea of those prescriptive nonfiction ideas, which of those ideas you were going to actually move forward with? I mean, it was really helpful in the class because I had not only the two of you, but also this cohort of people who could just give me feedback. And I think you guys even asked them, like, do you guys like idea A or B? And that was just like nice kind of market testing right there. Um, But ultimately, it was what you guys taught in the first session about like, what is your unique angle? Like, it's not you're, you're not writing about a topic. You're writing to solve a reader's problem if you're doing prescriptive nonfiction. And so that really helped me narrow in and realize like, oh, one of these, I can much more easily turn it into like a direct response to a challenge that the reader is facing. And I can make, you know, an argument about that. That's another thing that you guys taught in the class was, you know, what what's your argument? Like, how are you going to say something different about a topic, you know, that's probably already been written about? And so it was through that process and playing with that, with these couple of ideas that I realized like, no, this whole like you think you're burning out, but you're actually growing thing is um, that's an interesting argument that I could make. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, a lot of authors do kind of start with like you, I, I know the topic that I want to write about. I know, you know, this broad, super, super broad topic. And that's just not enough to start mapping out a book. You have to have an opinion about that topic, which is where your your unique angle and your argument comes from. I really did think about writing a book that overviewed the theory of vertical development, but made it accessible and like mapped out all this these developmental stages. But through the process with you guys, I realized, no, I, it, that's too vague. Like no one, no one is sitting out there with those, like the problem, like I wish I knew all the stages of vertical development had it in one book. I, I think that book should be in the world. Like, and there are some books like that out there. Really zeroing in on what the pain a reader is feeling probably has to do with, you know, one of the shifts between stages or challenges that come to you as you go through these different developmental milestones in life. So can I pick one of those and really focus in on that in this one book? And it was very different than what I initially thought I would write about, but here I am. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, it's kind of like, learning to speak your reader's language. I think it's really common if you, especially if you know a lot about your topic, if you're, you know, an expert to some degree on something like, like even 
mapping a little bit. I mean, it's not quite as um, industry speak as what you're talking about, but sometimes like Ariel and I talk about mapping, 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 when like mapping isn't maybe the language like debut author would use, you know, like, or outlining, you know, it's like, I don't know, I don't go to a doctor and say like, I really think whatever some special nerve in my arm needs to be fixed that I, I just say my arm hurts. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. anyway, learning to like speak the language of your reader and solve the problem in the words that they would use to describe what their problem is. Okay. So you nailed down on your big idea, which is a little bit different than you originally thought it would be. Um, and then we won't go into every single thing, but in the mapping process, we also have, um, milestones and, um, modules about picking a genre um, of nonfiction. There are things you'll want to do a little bit differently in your book, depending on your genre. We also talk about audience, like nailing down who your audience is, who you're speaking to. Um, and then we eventually get to um, your chapter structure. Well, let's start with your book structure, where the chapters are in your book, which goes where. So what did the process look like for you deciding like, what's chapter one? What's chapter 10? Um, did that like come pretty naturally after you drilled down on your big idea or how did you sort of wade through that? So I think the first big step was when you guys presented the idea of the transformation tale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a from two, like where's the reader now? Where do you want them to be at the end of the book? And then everything in the between that is your book is you know, this is all the stuff that they, it was like a big brain dump. I remember like they need to hear this and this story might help. And, Oh, I could share like this example and um, this tool that I've used with clients could fit really well somewhere in there. So just like the big brain dump and then trying to find, you know, what is the logic here? Um, and, and then you guys had a segment of one of the classes that was about what is the structural logic for all that brain dump, all that material that you want to go in the in-between to get the reader, you know, from their current state to their future state. And you gave us options for different kinds of logics, right? Like go um, abstract to really concrete and practical. And I think I ended up doing um, really frame the problem and then lead towards um, digging deep into the solution. So after I figured out that logic to structure the book, it came pretty naturally. Um, I was able to break the book up into three sections and then figure out which ideas would go into which sections. So it was kind of nuts. It was like a four, I don't know what you guys are going to do in the future, but it was a four week class. And I, I've told people about it. And I was like, I entered with two or three vague ideas. And I left with like every chapter title of my book mapped out in place. And even like the intro in chapter one, I had mapped those chapters out and figured out like the key points and the stories and, you know, the hooks for those. So, I mean, I, I did a lot in a month's time. Um, and it, I really do have your, your course of thing for it. If this book mapping process sounds like exactly what you need to finally write your nonfiction book, you're in luck. We've got a cohort course running in February to teach you the hidden process behind all of your favorite nonfiction books. Book mapping is the invisible matrix that makes books work. We're going to teach you how to see it and how to replicate it for your own book. In four 90-minute live sessions with two Q&As, we'll help you nail your big idea, decide the right genre, map your book's transformation, and outline your entire book chapter by chapter. 
We've also got a library of sample book maps of best-selling nonfiction books to show you exactly how it's done. By the end of our four weeks together, you'll have a plan to finally write your book. Go to mapyourbook.com to learn more and sign up to join us in February. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. And I mean, you you did everything, you know, like no one no one had to do everything, but you took everything that we taught and just like ran with it, which mm-hmm. is part of why we were so excited to, you know, to hear more about it from your perspective today, because not, I mean, not everyone does. Um, so we appreciate that. Um, but I love especially hearing about how the like the logic structures really helped you or the logic, you know, models really helped you define a structure for your book. Because even when we were writing um, our book, Hungry, uh, the Hungry Authors book, you know, we've got the logic logic models in one of the um, chapters on book structure. And that was like a little bit of a harder piece of the book um, to figure out, like, how do we exactly frame this? and present these logic models and really make it clear how they help to lead you to your structure because it it is kind of intuitive like a lot of these logic models like going from like you said abstract to concrete problem to solution from um you know chaos to order from you know whatever they are from big to small personal to global those are those feel very intuitive and it's rare that we put language to them but when you're looking at this like giant mess of a brainstorm, you have to have some kind of filter to start organizing that brainstorm. And it's like it's like you just dumped out a bunch of like Legos and you're like, okay, am I going to like you have to have some kind of or, or puzzle pieces. You know, you've got to have some kind of like I'm going to start with the edges. I'm going to start with, you know, the orange pieces. I'm going to start with the blue pieces, whatever it is. Like there just has to be some kind of filter on it. And it took us a while, I think, to like articulate why that's so important. But I, I'm so glad to hear for you, like that was kind of the linchpin. The the word that comes to mind is demystify. I think your mm-hmm. book process demystifies. Like I'm a voracious reader. I've read tons of books. I love reading. And I was like, how do you do this? <laughs> like, like, I don't know. How do you, like, how do you decide? Is Are there three parts? Are there four parts? Are there five chapters? Are there 10? Um like, what order do you go in? Like, how do people do this? It just felt like this whole mysterious world that I wasn't privy to. And this course, as well as, you know, your other work and your podcast has really helped me feel like, oh, I speak this language now. Like, I kind of, I'm in on a secret. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, that's what I it that. in the book is like the hidden matrix kind of, of like, of books that, you know, you when done well, you, you don't even notice it. You know what I mean? Like when a book is well-structured, you're not thinking about, well, I don't know where the chapters are or whatever. Like, it's just, it's flowing in your mind. The, the, the information is being synthesized in the way it's supposed to, you know, it's like when something is really out of order or doesn't make sense here or is random, or you needed that information back in that chapter. And now you're getting it here that you start to kind of notice that things like aren't making sense but like actually if it's done well you don't even notice it you know you don't even think about it it looks easy it's not (laughs) (laughs) right um okay and actually i wanted to know i'm putting you on the spot a little bit here but like you talked about transformation one of the big things um that we talk about in mapping is identifying your transformation tale um which kind of goes back to big idea 
where your um, all books are about transformation. Prescriptive books are about the transformation you're trying to affect in your reader. So what is the transformation you're trying to affect in your reader? It's essentially that at the end of the book, I want them to be able to say, oh, I know what's going on with me now. And I know how to navigate this so that my life is actually richer and more meaningful. And I actually love my work, whether I stay in my current job or, you know, reimagine things. Um, I, I can do this and I'm actually excited because this is a good thing. That's beautiful. Awesome. I love yeah. that. So since then, has your book map, cause like you, you kind of, you did your book map and everything. Actually, let's, let's pause there before I move on. How did you actually do the book map? Like, did you actually get out sticky notes? Did you do index cards? Did you cr- use a an online tool like MindMeister or Jamboard or Mural? Or did you create like just a, a vertical outline? Like talk us through like how you actually manifested or started to put your book map on paper. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kept wanting to be one of those authors that has like a whole wall of sticky notes. Cause I think that looks really cool uh-huh. and my brain works and yeah. I, I want to be, I want to be analog. Like I like, I like my books in print and, you know, less so on my Kindle, but honestly, just a word document <laughs> and sometimes maybe PowerPoint so that I could, you know, maybe move some things around and show it more visually. But in terms of my actual, uh, kind of behind the scenes, get messy work. I think it was either just on a piece of paper or in a word document so that I can move things around and modify the language. And so that's what works for me. And um, I still like go back to that same word document as I'm working on writing the book now. Yeah. I think that's really fair. And I mean, that's something that we try to be very um, open about is like, I know the sticky notes do look very cool. And I think that is a part of what attracts people to this process to some extent is like, oh, I'll have this amazing thing on my window or my wall or my table or whatever. And you can, you can absolutely do that. And there are some advantages to that. The color coding and and such can be fun, but you do not have to. And for some people, that's not how their brains work. And that's totally fine. If we're being totally honest, like sometimes I don't do that. Sometimes if if it's a if it's a topic that I know well enough, I can move straight to like actual outline. It's only I personally I find that when I'm like really struggling with a concept, yeah. then I go towards the more visual things. But like you already you really knew this topic, you really understand you know all of the necessary pieces, and so you were able to be like this works best for me, and and that's great, and that I mean, may work best, I- yeah full transparency with our listenership but you and i didn't really map our book i mean we we Not had a, an outline we did technically i guess but like we didn't do yeah. the full on the wall we we did it with the title but that's really yeah. the only thing like remember we that's actually right. did we did the like scene from the movies when you have like a card on or a word on each note yeah. and like moving things around but <laughs> with the actual like the chapters and stuff because more or less you and I have written a bunch of nonfiction books we kind mm-hmm. of we taught it we sort of knew it like mm-hmm. Claire was saying she's really familiar with the process we just opened a google doc and just yeah bleh, like into the google doc you know yeah we didn't actually um do sticky notes and stuff yeah no I know and oh, yeah 
actually one of our one of our um authors and and friends actually asked us like hey can you send me a picture of the book map you created for your hungry authors book and i was like actually no <laughs> there's a google doc we, because we knew the content so well yeah you know we had already taught it we already had our you know we've we've done presentations and master classes on a lot of the chapters so we just were able to take that and make a really pretty quick outline for ourselves well, it's sort of like cooking, you know, when you're learning yes. to cook, you need to mm-hmm. learn the rules of cooking, the you know, chemistry of it all, uh, the physics of it all, the recipe and exact amounts. And then once you do it enough, it's kind of like in your bones. So I can imagine in your case, as many books as you guys write and think about these topics, it makes sense that it sort of has sunk in um, so that it almost feels intuitive at this point. Yeah. But you got to start, start with the recipe. <laughs> yes. Right. But yeah, exactly. Um, but that kind of goes back to Ariel's like point and great advice to you that we give to writers all the time is like, start with what you start with the low hanging fruit, like start with what you know. Why did that strike? Now, not that it won't, not that it will for everyone. Of course, like there are plenty a books whose structure is hard to find no matter how much you know about it. But in general, if you're starting with something that you know pretty well and you're familiar with, you know, that makes it a lot easier um, because especially if you're teaching something, um, you know, one of the things um, that we work with on authors a lot, if you've got an expertise, you're you're probably doing this and talking about it, and, you know, in some way a lot. So you probably already have the workings of a book map in a process of some kind, either it's a, mm-hmm. something uh, like a, a, something you walk your clients through, a talk you've given before, an intake form, like there probably is some sort of infrastructure that exists already. You just have to kind of puzzle it out. What? Um, so you've got, you, well, okay, here, let's, let's go here next. You um, got your book map and then you decided to write a proposal. Ariel helped you with that. The book map like kind of maps onto a proposal in that you've got more or less your overview, which would, which would um, you know, correlate to your big idea. You've got the makings of your annotated outline because you've got your chapter by chapter descriptions that you did in mapping. Um, you've got, you know, the beginnings of your audience and genre, and you've got all of this already. So you sort of expand that out to, um, to a book proposal. Um, and then, um, and then you you are going to start shopping it early next year. Is that sort of bring us up to date of how this all worked? That's that's the plan. You got it. And it really all I'm waiting on at this point is launching my Substack newsletter, which is going to be called the Diving Board. Um, oh, cute! That's I'm really. Gonna good. Out, I'm going to say this out loud because then I have to do it. I'm going to launch on January eighth, twenty twenty four. That's the plan. Um, so I I've. It's really like, I just need a little time to tinker on the back end with Substack and get it ready to go. But yeah. then I'm going to be in a really regular rhythm of putting out um, content around, you know, the topics I've mentioned, transformational development, the intersection of inner work and work, um, yeah. consciousness and complexity. Those are topics that I, I work a lot with and want to bring to more people. Um, yeah. And they're aligned with the book topic as well. And I, I'm still playing with like how if and how my book topic will show up on Substack. I know it will somehow, but um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, it's like all the pieces are just almost locked in. I just got to like push the big red button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's actually a good reminder too, that book mapping is for 
anyone who wants to publish a book by any means. It gives you a great foundation for writing a proposal if you want to traditionally publish, because we go over, again, big idea. We talk about comp titles. We will give you all the information for discovering those. Um, yeah, genre, audience, table of contents. But if you aren't interested in traditional publishing and you want to sell for hybrid, which means you can more or less go right into the writing, you'll have everything you need to just sit down and start writing. I think it's going to be, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but the everything I'm doing right now, you know, the non-writing activities is really the hard part for me. Yeah. Um, and the part that I'm like, can I just be done and get to the creativity again? And it's, it's creative, but it's not like sink deep into it creative, like, you know, writing a book proposal and, and sample materials was. But yeah, I, I do think, you know, in January, I'll launch that and then um, we'll start shopping for a publisher hopefully we'll find one. And when they say go, I really think I have the book map and I, I know how to, how to now like put a chapter together and use these different elements you taught us about that make up a chapter. Um, and that's the fun part. And I can't wait. And you got me ready for it. So thanks. So Claire, how can people connect with you? Um, you mentioned that if anyone wants the Gantt chart, you can send it to them. So how can they reach you and learn more about your work? How can they join your, well, you said your Substack is going to be called the diving board, which is awesome. Um, where do you want people to, to reach out to you? Great. So LinkedIn, um, is a place that I'm pretty active. Um, so you can find me there. Um, the Diving Board is my Substack newsletter, launching January 8th, 2024. Um, and then currently my web address is www.goingindepth.com. That might evolve if I go through with all the rebranding that I think I'm going to do. But um, for a while, that'll be my web address. And then I'm just Claire at goingindepth.com. Would love awesome. to connect. Awesome. Well, we'll put those links in the show notes. And um, we can't wait to hear more about your journey Good luck with submissions in January. We're excited for you. Please, please, please keep us updated and let us know how it goes. And uh, we'll, we'll talk more soon. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're a hungry author and you want to learn more about our community and courses, head over to hungryauthors.com. Remember, you have a story and a message worth sharing. And if you've got the hunger, you can make it happen. Thank you.